This is Interviews with Technical People with John Robertson and James Haviu, a podcast where we interview technical people in STEM fields to discuss the past, present, and future from their perspective. And today we're joined by Christian Griffith. Christian is a digital strategist and the founder of the company Live for a Living. Christian, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. Christian, you mind telling us in your own words, just to start out, what is it that you do? Uh, well, you know, I, I say digital strategist and a lot of times then the next question is, you know, what does that mean? Um, and, you know, my, I, I spent 20 years in the ad agency business uh, and I've also been an entrepreneur. So, you know, I come at things from a branding perspective, but I help brands and companies both, you know, large all, all the way up to Fortune 500, all the way down to small CrossFit gyms regionally, um, really develop their Internet strategy and their Internet communication strategy to build their business. And are those techniques you've used for your own branding as well? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, you know, it, I, I came up as really web developer back in the 90s. And, um, you know, that as, as, you know, websites became commodities and it really became about people actually seeing your website, um, you know, I, I then morphed into internet marketing, SEO, search engine optimization, search engine marketing. And then, uh, you know, then social hit the scene and, you know, social became a big part of everything that I do, um, both, you know, from a physical perspective, but also from, uh, you know, an optimization perspective. So uh, I, I embrace social media um, intently as well. And then, you know, because I am my own brand now, I have my own company. Uh, you know, once I left advertising, I started my own business. And when I did that, uh, you know, I had to embrace all these tools myself and I had to utilize these tools myself to grow my own brand. So, um, yeah, I love it because, you know, it not only, uh, you know, do I have the knowledge and the experience, but I've been in the trenches. You know, I'm not just a talking head. Uh, you know, I've, I've been in the trenches. I do the work. I, I know how to code. I, you know, I know how to communicate. I know how to tell others to communicate and uh, works out really well. It's a great place to be right now. You, you talk about doing this in the 90s. Did you go to school for, you know, all that coding stuff or you just kind of figure it out when everything was was getting big? back in the nineties or how'd you get into it? Yeah. You know, I, I figured it out. Um, you know, excite hotbot and Yahoo were the hot search engines back in the nineties. And, um, I had graduated from college and, uh, came back from a a stint in Costa Rica for a while and came back and I'm like, okay, what am I going to do in my degree? I graduated with a marketing degree from the university of South Carolina, the computer Mm -hmm. science minor, but all of my computer science, you know, colleges have always been way behind. I was learning how to program in Pascal and COBOL and all of these like old school bank languages and stuff. Right. So, uh, you know, it wasn't um, it wasn't really applicable, Uh, but I I was a huge fan of the Internet and um, I didn't really know what I was going to do in my life. I uh, and and I saw, you know, I've been an ocean lifeguard uh, all growing up. I grew up at the beach my whole life. I've been ocean lifeguard for many years. I know how lifeguard businesses work. And in Naples, Florida, they were looking for uh, someone to start a lifeguard business. So, you know, green, me, naive me, I'm like, oh, I'll put together a business plan and I'll go down there and present it and they'll hire me and I'll build a, a, a lifeguard business in Naples, Florida. Man, that was my first experience with good old boy business. I got down there and pretty much got laughed out of the room by local business guys that knew they were getting the contract. And who is this kid in flip flops and shorts? rolling up in here, going to run the show, right? Like it just wasn't going to happen to them, right? 
And I was very defeated. And I went to this coffee shop. And I'm sitting there. I'm talking with the lady and newspaper sitting out, you know, back when people read newspapers, right? Naples, Naples Daily News actually sitting on the counter. And there's a little square ad that said online consultant needed. Hmm. And I'm like, oh, I know the internet, you know, because my grandfather always kept me, I kind of left out of the story. My grandfather and I used to build computers together when I was a kid. So, you know, I just it kind of gravitated into the internet. And and uh, so I'm like, oh, I know how to use the internet. Now, this is 1997. So people weren't doing much with the internet and yet, right? And um, so I'm like, oh, I should go talk to him, Naples Daily News. I just got shot down for the lifeguard thing. How, how worse can it be? So I go rolling into the Naples Daily News. And it was very much like um, you would expect, like you'd expect to see on TV, almost kind of like Mad Men or something. It was like a row of females sitting across about five different desks. And they were all had headsets on and they're answering the phone over and over again because it's a newspaper. Right. And I walk in with the ad and I say, hey, and I talked to a woman. Her name is Penny. And I walked up to Penny and I said, hey, I saw this ad in the newspaper. I'm pretty good at the Internet. I'd like to talk to somebody about this job. And I found out later that she goes, OK. And she got up, went back to this guy, Phil, who led the Internet department at the Naples Daily News. She went back to him. And she goes, there's this kid out here and he's in flip flops and shorts. And he says he knows the internet. And Phil, Phil goes, well, this I got to see. So he gets up and comes out. And they, I don't, he doesn't even call me back. We sit in these like chairs in the lobby or these, this couch in the lobby. And, you know, we start talking. And, you know, I, I think I kind of impressed him with my knowledge of the internet at the time. And he's like, well, let's see what you can do. So he takes me finally back to a computer. And he's like, you know, what do you know how to do in the internet? I said, well, where'd you go to college? He goes, oh, I went to University of Oklahoma or Oklahoma U, Oklahoma University. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I found a bunch of alumni. He played basketball there. I found out that he played basketball there. I found where his number was. I found all these various things that he didn't even know were out on the internet. This is early internet, right? Just wow. the fact that he could utilize search engines well, you know, was enough for him. They hired me on the spot. And my, my role was to help them get online before the Fort Myers news press. So the Naples Daily News, which was a Scripps Howard newspaper out of San Diego, um, was competing against the Fort Myers News Press, which was a Knight Ritter newspaper. And so, you know, they wanted to get online first and, and we did it. We won it. And um, and then I just I, I created a couple of new things like a coupon corner, because back then it was impossible to get anyone to advertise on the Internet. So I came up with an idea that, well, hey, if you're a local business in Naples, we'll put a coupon up. People can print it. And they can bring it into your business. And that way you can judge how well the ROI is working. Right. And, you know, just little things like that that kind of skyrocketed my career. And then next thing you know, I'm in Atlanta sitting at a major ad agency away from the beach for the first time in my life um, as a as a uh, I don't even know what my title was. It's like I think it was website developer or something. But, you know, all of a sudden now I'm building, you know, half a million dollar websites. It's like, whoa. 27 years old. How'd this happen? I'm willing to build a website for about 750 bucks. So, yeah, that was the beginning. That was the beginning. Okay, th this is an absolutely incredible story. <laughs> One of the things that fascinates me is the late 90s internet era, by the way, because I know it, it was the idea of like it was the dot-com era. It was the boom of internet. But I know still, in reality, it was way smaller than it is right now. Like, can you just go into a little bit, like, how did things feel back then? Was there excitement about the opportunities of the internet? Like, do you think you and those around you had any idea what it would become just like 15 years later? You know, I, 
it's it's hard to go back and think about that. You, you felt like you were on, definitely felt like you were on the cutting edge of something cool, right? Mm-hmm. And it was moving so fast, and there were so many issues. There was a one time there was an article that came out because there was a at network network solutions used to be the only place that you could buy a domain at the time, and they had some kind of problem, and and you could register all these domains that were already registered. I went out and registered Microsoft.com. And, and uh, they did this story about me, you know, after I did that. And, and, um, and, and I, I started a blog before the term existed. Back then, we called it an online diary. And it was, and, uh, and I would just write all this nonsense, dude, but it would get me attention. It got me on the radio a few times. It got me uh, in a magazine called Atlanta City Mag one time. And, you know, as, as somebody who was in advertising and trying to build brands and the whole, it just, it came naturally to me. You know, I had a marketing degree, all these various things. So, you know, it, it gave me this tool to utilize all this stuff I had learned in marketing. And it just, for me, it was fun. It was like, it was my career, but I would go home at night and work on it. You know, with my buddies, we'd skateboard and we'd shoot videos of skating and we'd post all that stuff. And Back then, there was this thing called micro, uh, Macromedia Flash that was really popular. It was just doing animation on the web. We would create all kinds of animation. It was just, it was just always new and changing and emerging, and that was very exciting for me. I, I, I would never have made it if it wasn't for the internet. I'd be bagging groceries at Publix. I mean, that you know, or painting fences or something. Like I just, I'm not as driven with anything else as I am with the internet and fitness. I appreciate the way you talked about, you know, the internet when you went in for that interview, as if it's this kind of just this item that we knew so you know so much less about it back then too. Yeah. Well, that and, and saying it like that, like saying that I'm good at the internet. Now, if you were to say that now, be like, well, what does that mean, dude? Are you good at coding? Are you good at marketing? Are you good at social media? Are you good at video? Are you good at like? There's a million different aspects of being good at the internet. Are you good? Are you a software developer? Are you an app builder? Are you you know like you know? It's just it's expanded so much and it's created various niches and and uh, and silos. But back then, you, you couldn't much. have a silo. Yeah. You were a code. You were a hand coder. You were screwing around with video. You're screwing around with animation. You're screwing around with 3D. You were screwing around with audio. You were doing everything you could to make a website cooler than your competitors. Were you working mostly in HTML, or what programs were you in? Yeah, back then there really was nothing else. Um, yeah. You know, it was just straight hand coding. And then I remember I got hold of Microsoft Front Page once, but it was, you know, from my perspective, it was garbage. And uh, and then one of the best tools that ever came out was a tool by, again, by a company called Macromedia that ended up selling to Adobe. Um, but they had a, a tool called Dreamweaver. And now Adobe owns Dreamweaver. And it was a, you know, it was a desktop based tool. But now, you know, everything now, everything because of the way websites work, unless it's something that needs some significant custom coding, I build everything in the cloud because it's just so much easier, so much faster. And I can it's scalable as a one man show who can't have anybody work for him because he's a control freak. I, uh, my, 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 um, uh, what's the word I'm looking my, 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 I hit my ceiling on my just time and, and things that I can do, you know, I'm only, you know, I've hit my sustainability level, I guess is what I'm saying. And, you know, with about 13 to 17 clients right now at any one time, you know, it's just a ton of work. Um, so yeah, just try to be as fast and efficient as possible. Yeah. But back then it was crack open notepad and hand code, bro. 
So, and I was thinking about this too. I was thinking about the, the word like digital strategist, right? And for some reason, I was honing in on the word digital. So, so there's clearly something that you do that distinguishes itself from just general strategy, right? This is not just brand strategy. This is not just anything else. It's specifically digital. And so, you know, can you kind of define that a little bit for how that might be differentiated from how things were done before the advent of the internet? Yeah, I mean, and especially in the ad agency business, which is what makes me lean on that term so much, right? Because I watched, you know, I would right place, right time, but I was one of the earliest, you know, earliest classes, if you will, coming into the advertising business. And advertising agencies are notoriously behind the times from a technology perspective. Um, you know, they're really, their their business models are, are, are based around account service and, you know, big retainers and all these various things. And I was watching that change, right? Like all of a sudden companies didn't want to pay these huge retainers to agencies that moved at, at really slow paces when they could hire these experts at these individual talents that uh, were, were far better and by the way, far cheaper. So <clears throat> I started to watch advertising like really shift. And especially when you had all these old school people in the agency that have been there forever, call them media buyers, right? That were, were placing ads in magazines and stuff. Dude, magazines were going away. Newspapers were going away. Traditional PR as we know it, right? Traditional PR relationships, traditional, you know, public relations relationships where, you know, a PR guy in an agency had some, a Rolodex of, of newspaper contacts and stuff. Well, you know, that, that was all going away. Like it was all disappearing. Media planning was now no more planning newspapers and TV. It was planning internet ads and, um, you know, and I just watched all that and I was like, you know what? I never want to work on the traditional side. It's dying. It is a dying dinosaur. Branding will never die because people buy brands. They don't buy things. They buy brands. They buy and that will never die. But the tactics that were being used to drive brand was changing. And I wanted to be on the forefront of that change. So I define everything that I do as digital. And when people ask me, do you do any traditional? Do you create print ads? Nope. Nope, nope, nope. There are people better than me at that. And, right. uh, and you know, quite honestly, it's it's arduous for me because you're dealing with printers with old school technology and blah, blah, blah. I just don't want to deal with it. I deal in digital only. Okay, another question I want to ask, because we're, we're talking a little bit about, about brands now. Can you give me kind of in your definition, like, what is a brand? And the reason I ask is I feel like a lot of people think a brand is kind of narrow. They think it's a logo or a look. But I, I'm curious what you think, because in my view, it's a lot more than that. But what do you think there? Well, I, I mean, I agree with you, obviously. I mean, the the quite honestly, the logo and let's say a definer line or any of those those types of visual communications, they should actually be representing the brand. They aren't the brand. They're representing the brand. The okay. brand, you know, there, there are certain elements to a brand. You have a brand voice, right? You have a brand personality. Uh, you know, Gary V is a great example of a brand, especially, do you know, Gary V? He's a um, kind of a hotshot digital marketer. Um, trying to think, Mark Cuban, you guys are all familiar with Mark Cuban, right? Yep. No, From Shark Tank or whatever. You know, again, another example of a good, you know, he's a very straightforward talker. He's a very straightforward writer. Um, in a lot of ways, he can be controversial, um, you know, and especially about cutting edge things. Like a brand has a voice. It has a way that people expect it's going to communicate. You know, a, a great brand, Nike, right? You know, again, 
a great brand. Um, Starbucks, right? When you go to a Starbucks, you expect the same experience from everyone at Starbucks. You go to McDonald's, you expect that same experience. Hmm. But what a brand is, is it's a consistent uh, voice. It's a consistent personality. And where you make mistakes with brand or when you step away from that consistency, because then you create brand confusion or brand fragmentation and you lose um, that perception of authenticity. You know, I had kind of lightly touched on it a second ago, but I strongly, I have been taught and I also believe that um, people do not buy things. They buy brands. They buy a feeling. A brand, when you think about a brand, it should emote a feeling. When you think about products that a particular brand offers, you're going to be, you're going to gravitate more towards that. In my world, in my world, in the fitness world, I gravitate towards brands that are very authentic in the fitness world, you know, are really not focused on the hype or the exercise or methodology du jour, but they're focused on quality and communication and education. To me, that's what I'm attracted to. So the brands that lean in that direction, right? I will never be attracted to a Weight Watchers. I'll never be attracted to a, you know, Nutribullet. I'll never be attracted to these these sort of hype things. I'm going to be attracted to things like, um, you know, for me, it's, you know, Russian kettlebell stuff where people where there's a history of quality. There are people that communicate directly about the quality. They don't care necessarily about making a ton of money. Their their goal is to push fitness forward. Um, so I know I went kind of long on that brand uh, explanation, but brand's really important to me. And, I, and it's something that I constantly have to pound into my clients' heads. Right. They want to skip that step, especially new entrepreneurs. They want to skip that step. They want to get a website build and they want to start selling a product on the Internet. Right. But what do you stand for? Why should people deal with you? I'm hearing you say that brand branding has values, too. Mm -hmm. You've you've got a look and a feel and a voice, but but values are probably as important as any of that. Yeah, especially now. Right. Like that's and that is emerging more and more and more, especially with the millennials and the Z gens. Right. Where they're they're not like they don't want to be like their parents. They don't want to go to an office for 80 hours a week, come home grumpy, you know, eat dinner, watch TV till they fall asleep and get up and do it again. Like they they saw that and they saw miserable made their parents. And, you know, that's why they're much more interested and into travel and remote working and, you know, the whole concept of being a digital nomad, which is something I subscribe to, um, you know, it just continues to grow. You know, have laptop, will travel, will work. Um, you know, this thing with the pandemic and having people, uh, you know, outside of offices, this is this is a this is a huge shift and it's going to stick. Some people are going to go back, of course, and some people actually like the office dynamic. But for creative thinkers and people that you know do better work when they're inspired, um, I think that uh, you know this is really going to stick for those people. I I kind of want to touch on this a little more because I've been thinking recently, and this is partially because of the internet. Just I get the impression that a lot of people, just individual people, and you know you could stereotype it, say it's high schoolers, this that or the other, are trying to get their own brand, right? Because anybody can these days. You know the platforms yeah. are so easy to come by. Even James and I, we have a platform right here. You know, and it's not it's not this incredibly hard thing to do with a little bit of effort. Anyone can get a platform. Sure. So, like, h- how do you feel these dynamics are now with so many people trying to compete 
for attention. You know, there's there's just millions of people out there trying to get eyeballs on them and what they're doing online. So, like, how how is this dynamic changing in this new, bigger arena with so much competition? You know, I, I just think it started – what happens is, you know, niches really start to come into play. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important. I think that trying – you know, another thing I was taught that I always believe in uh, in the branding world, marketing and advertising world, communications world, whatever, is if you try to be all things to everyone, you're nothing to anyone. To everyone, sorry, and I, you know, sorry. If you try to be everything, if you try to be everything to everyone, you're nobody to anyone. And what I, mm-hmm. what I mean by that, or what I like about that, is that you know, you, you're not going to be loved by everyone. You're not going to be authentic to everyone, and everyone's not going to care about what it is that you deeply care about. You know, some great, other great advice I got one time is not to look sideways, just look forward. Don't look at what your competition is doing. Don't 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 try to adapt to things that they're doing or oh because they're doing this and getting more eyeballs maybe you should be doing. No. Stay strict to who you are, what your message is and just continue to consistently push that message and over time you will grow in terms of followers or in terms of audiences. Those audience, those will begin to come because your authenticity will begin to show out. If you've got, you know this, if you're a podcast and you got three interviews, it's hard to get people to care, right? Yep. You're a Joe Rogan now where you're getting awesome uh, uh, interviews, you know, on, um, on topics that people care about. But again, some people don't like the machismo associated with, with, with Rogan or whatever, but he has, you know, he's been able to grow. But the point is, is that, you know, once again, staying consistent, staying on point with your message and really speaking to the people that actually care. That's where I believe that you're going to grow. And I think that brands, you know, embrace the same thing. You know, it's it's funny. A lot of people like who are in the podcasting world look to Joe Rogan um, and kind of see what he's done. But it's I, I'm always blown away at this. You mentioned consistency. So we're on episode, I believe it'll be episode 28 for us. Christian, but Joe Rogan's on episode 1,650. Right. <laughs> so talk about consistency. When I watched it on a smaller scale, you know, I co-founded a company called Obstacle Racing Media back in 2012 when obstacle course racing was really growing. Spartan races, Tough Mudders, these things. And I, I, the reason I embraced it and wanted to create a media company around it was because I believe that the primal nature of man was being suppressed um, in these office environments, right? We were spending more and more time. I used to, in, in some talks that I do, I like to give this analogy, but one day I woke up when I'm living in Atlanta and I thought about my life and I'm like, you know what? I spent, I get up in the morning in my bedroom, which is a box. I walk downstairs and I do my workout in a concrete basement, which is a box. I finish that workout. I get in my box on wheels and my air conditioned box on wheels and drive it to my box where I work. I sit in my box where I work for eight hours. I get back in my box on wheels. I go back to my box where there's a TV and I watch other people live their lives on a box. Something is wrong with this picture. I I love that the car is an air conditioned box on wheels. <laughs> it is though. <laughs> I might use that one, but I, yeah, definitely. We feel you there. And you did make the change, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that it was the beginning, you know, really the beginning of my, you know, so I spent, call it 20 years, 20, 20 years, let's just call it 20 years in the ad agency business in various ways. 
Uh, and then when I wanted to get out on my own, I was, I do a lot of races, uh, kind of gnarly, um, just really, really gnarly races all over the world. And I did the, did this race in Nicaragua for many years called Fuego y Agua. And it stands for fire and water. And it's, you run up and over these volcanoes and across the isthmus to the other volcano. Uh, very brutal, very brutal terrain, um, you know, just raw country. Um, and uh, I met a backpacker there one time, just sitting there. My cousin, she used to come with me. And we're sitting there in a little cafe. And, you know, a straggly old backpacker dude walks in, British guy. And, um, you know, I just started striking up a conversation with him. And I'm like, hey, dude, what you, you know, what are you up to? He's like, oh, I'm backpacking across Central America. So I'm trying to hit all the countries and hang out for a while. And I'm like, oh, dude, that's super cool. I'm like, so, and at the time I'm still working at the ad agency. Right. So I'm like, well, how are you, how's the work give you that much time off? He's like, oh no, I quit. So for me, I'm like, I'm looking at my $3,000 a month mortgage and my McMansion in Atlanta, you know? And I'm like, what? Like you quit. Like You can do that. (laughs) Yeah. What are you going to do when you're done backpacking? And he goes, well, I'll probably get another job. And I was like, this dude, like he's just breaking it down on the simple, right? And and uh and I go, wow. And I just he could he could see my like sort of dumbfoundness. And this is now on the front page of my website at liveforaliving.com. But that but this, he said this to me, and I will never forget it. He said, dude, I can always make more money. I can never make more time. Yep, it's right on the front page. And I sat there for a second and I really processed that for a minute. And I'm like, oh my God, the 10 minutes I've been talking to this dude are gone. They are evaporated. I will never get those 10 minutes back. So I need to make sure that I'm spending my time doing the things that I want to be doing. Because that, that's my, that's, that's, that's my greatest wealth. I mean, I can always make money. I can have 13 clients or five clients. I can buy, I can go to Whole Foods or I can go to Ingles. Like who cares? Like at the end of the day, I can just, I can finagle money. I can't finagle time. This next, next minute is going away. Guaranteed. I can't stop it. So that's, uh, that was very profound in my life. And it, and, and that's when I made the switch. That's, that's when I decided, you know what? I'm, I'm going out on my own. I'm not scared. I'm pushing all the chips in. And, uh, you know, if I end up homeless, then you know what? I'll move to Bali and teach kids how to surf. If that's the worst thing that can happen, (laughs) then, you know, I'm good. (laughs) Um, James, I'm going to ask one more question before we get to kind of like the more philosophical questions. Because, Christian, there's one thing that I actually have been fascinated about by this topic, although I'm I'm ignorant about it. So I'd like to hear uh, a, a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, search engine optimization? I, I can. It's, uh, and it's interesting because it's evolving so much right now. And the problem, well, you know this, but being on the cutting edge of anything can be challenging because there is an education with your clients that is necessary. They learn something and they learn it at a very, very basic level. And when those concepts begin to change, they're not necessarily up to speed. So search engine optimization, really what it involves is optimizing your column web properties. It's not just your website anymore. It's optimizing your maps, you know, your, your location. 
entries in Google Maps or Yahoo Maps or MapQuest. Um, it's optimizing your My Business Google page. It's optimizing your website. It's optimizing your social media properties. What does that mean? Well, it means taking advantage of every snippet of information that you can provide out there about your company and doing so in a keyword rich way. You know, if I am selling supplements, nutritional supplements, it's important that every one of my social properties, my website, everything speak about supplements, right? Very, very basic, very simple. You'd be surprised, though, when you do an audit on a company of what they're selling, but how they're presenting it is completely different or not advantageous or not optimized to help them sell better. So then I can also plug brand into that and say, okay, great. Well, you're doing the same thing as supplement company B and the same thing as supplement company C. So what makes you different? Well, that's when we bring brand into it. So utilizing keywords, important keywords and phrases that people would type into a search engine, that's sort of our our foundation or words that we know we need to use, but the way we express ourselves or the way we write the copy is in our brand voice. And that's what differentiates us from the other supplement companies, if that makes sense. Now, what is very different and changing is that it used to be just about the keywords on your website or your internet properties and about the number of links, the number of people you had actually linking to your website. Well, nowadays, A, that's become the system has been gamed by what they call black hat SEOs, but people that will just, you know, create all these crazy pages across the Internet, point them to their page, put a bunch of nonsense keywords on them. And in the end of the day, that never really works like it works in the short term. Then Google usually using Google as an example, Google will figure that out and algorithmically, you know, start to penalize those sites and then they lose. So if you're an e-commerce driven site, that's a really bad place to be, right? When all of a sudden you were ranking well, now you have no rankings and trying to fight your way back is pretty much impossible. Um, But now SEO is so much different. Search engine optimization is so much different. The algorithmic clues and keys are changing so much now. Now it's about page experience and speed. And this is mostly because because of multiple display devices, whether it's tablets, or uh, mobile phones, right? But, and, you know, people's data, you know, data plans can be much slower than your Wi-Fi at home. So now website speed and, you know, optimization as it relates to page experience, you know, you not having, let's say, drop-down navigation that comes over elements on your page that need to be clickable. How many times have you pulled up something on your mobile phone, a pop-up comes up, and you can't X out of it? So you can't even look at what's on the, the content on the phone because this pop-up has, you know, covered your entire screen. You try to shrink it and then hit a button, but because your finger's already on there, it won't work. It's just, it's maddening, right? So really what, what search engine optimization is morphing into is it's not, I don't want to say going away from keywords and links because those are still alg- alg- algorithmic clues that tell the search engines what pages are popular, but now page experience has a tremendous amount of power. So you're saying this page experience is now like in one of the inputs into the search engine optimization. It, I'm just curious, like how is that, like how do the search engines know? Like how is that quantified? Yeah, so you have different, if you analyze code. So let's say you're using Google Analytics as your, um, 
as your analytics engine, as your metrics tool, as your web traffic tool, right? Mm-hmm. Which I would say 90% of my, 100% of my clients use it, but I would say 90% of any client I've ever come across uses Google Analytics. Well, Google Analytics, Google isn't stupid. They're not providing this super robust mm-hmm. analytics tool that used to be, that used to cost thousands of dollars from companies like Web Trends, right? Like they offer this free because they're able to compile tremendous amounts of data mm. about your website. Okay. Based on the coding of the website, things like buttons, right? Those are input items. If you know anything about coding, HTML coding, the way a button is coded is called an input. So, uh, you know, Google tracks how often people utilize input code on your website. They know where that where that code is, or sorry, where that input button is located on the page from uh, you know hotspot analysis. They know if people try to click something and it doesn't work, then that's a ding on your page experience. They know if somebody clicks on something and goes to another page, how long they stay on that page. If they tend to engage with that page for a significant period of time, well, that page must have value to the searcher as opposed to somebody who clicks on a page three seconds later, clicks off of it. That must not have been relevant for what they wanted. So the page experience wasn't good. And I've I've been on pages on my phone all the time. They load slow. I can't work with them. It's miserable. I'm not going to go back to them. I can't think of any, but I've, I've certainly had the experience. It it is absolutely mind blowing. And what you say makes perfect sense now framing it that way that, yeah, that, 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 that Google is, or, or any search engine, say, is looking for those things and can, can measure them from that data that you mentioned. That is, that is incredible. One of the things that I learned um, one time, just uh, there's a guy named Matt Cutts who used to be, a, um, used to be part of this search engine forum that, that I was part of years ago. Ten, like right when search engine optimization came a thing. Like I've been doing it since it's been an actual thing, right, since it's had a name. And I've kind of watched all these guys grow. There's some tools out there. One of them is called Moz uh, by a guy named Rand Fishkin, who was also part of our group. Like we have this group and they've all gone off and done other things as well. Um, but, you know, one of the greatest things that we learned when doing a, uh, an interview one time with Google uh, and with Matt was what is Google's ultimate goal? They want to be the number one search engine in the world. So if you want to be the number one search engine in the world, what do you have to do? Well, you have to present the most relevant results to your users. And by the way, not only organically, for those that want to advertise on your search engine, you need to apply the same algorithmic factors. You need to make sure that because you're putting those results above all the organic ones. So it's very important that the relevancy is there. And Google rewards you for that. So when I do paid relationships with clients, I ensure that I'm tackling what I call the three-headed monster. I make sure that whatever that user's query is, let's say it's amino acid supplements, that the ad that they see on top of Google is amino acid supplements. And when they Mm -hmm. click that and go to the landing page, that landing page better say amino acid supplements. Mm -hmm. When that three-headed monster, when that relevancy tie-in is all there, Google will reward you for that and they will give you better placement for less expensive cost per click because your quality score is better. And what will send them the clue that the quality score is better? User engagement. Users, because you're satisfying a a more user-friendly experience, then the users are going to click on you more often. They're going to spend more time on your pages, signaling back to Google that you are a quality advertiser and you should be at the top more than 
supplement company B who's just sending people to their homepage every time because it's easier. And that and that proves that Google's doing their job, so they're getting more use as well. That's right. They didn't become the number one search engine because they have a multicolored logo. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's a, a brilliant, brilliant business model and a brilliant group of people. Thank you for sharing that, Christian, because like honestly, yeah. that, that was one of the big things going into this episode. I was like, man, I'll bet I'll bet Christian can help some of my ignorance on this topic. <laughs> <laughs> and like my my mind is blown right now. Um just when I'm just touching on the very basics. I'm touching I, I, on the very basics. Right. Yeah. Which is all, all the more interesting because even if this is the basics, like even that alone is like I don't know, it's just I find it very illuminating. Um for the sake of time, we have some other questions we wanted to get to. What do you think, James? Which ones do you want to start with? Um, I think, you know, we, we and th- this can be in your field or outside of your field or life in general, but we, we like to ask people, what do you, what gets you most excited about the future? And also what makes you most concerned about the future? Mm-hmm. Uh, in technology? Uh, th- this could be anything. It could be in, in the field. It could be in the world in general. It could be, yep. you know, whatever keeps you up at night. Could be anything. Well, I I just worry in some veins. You know, I I've, I've been doing a lot of this um, investing in some of these crazy meme stocks and all this different stuff that's happening out there. Uh, crypto, you know, investing in crypto. I I played the GME game, the GameStop game, and did very well. Um, I'm, I'm doing very very well with crypto. Um, but you know, it's the wild wild west right now. Just like digital turned the advertising agency on its ear all of this meme stock stuff all these you know all these reddit investors you know and they're like you know they like to say oh it's you know the little guy is starting to make a a a mark six million people in a group is not the little guy and if you can get everyone to do something as a as a group you know no different than any other investment groups you can become a market mover yeah elon musk can do it all by himself because he's a superstar but so can six million weirdos on Reddit with a hundred dollars in Robinhood, right? Like you, it, it, it. So you start to see all of this sort of crazy change. And if you think about just business and how business has grown in the last ten years because of the internet, versus how slowly it grew before the internet, <laughs> you know, like this is the point. Like old schoolers love to to make to me in business. They're like, dude. We did the same thing for 40 years and now all of a sudden everything's changing so rapidly. I can't keep up. And and I just fear that, um, you know, with this rapid ability for things to change as driven by the Internet, there's, you know, that it's inevitable that those less knowledgeable, those less experienced, those being guided by less than, you know, great people. Um, I just feel like exponentially there can, they can really get run over. Right. And I think that there's a lot of potential out there for uh, for I mean, the Internet being a great example, Snapchat, all these things that kids are doing with, you know, whether it's, you know, smoking a bong on on uh, on Instagram or just something stupid like there's, you know, the stuff that you can do on the Internet now never goes away. I don't care what mm-hmm. Snapchat says. They're storing all of that stuff. And, you know, anything that you do on the Internet can come back and bite you. We see it all the time. And, uh, you know, so I just I, I worry about things like that. Right. Like I worry about the effect on culture and human growth. You know, there's a lot of very positive ways that, that the Internet drives um, human growth and 
positivity, but you got to be in that mindset because it's just as powerful for those who want to do negative things and want to do evil. You know, they have some pretty strong tools to spread that message quickly. You know, this reminds me of a question I was going to ask earlier. It, it seems like you kind of have these two, what some might consider opposing characteristics. Number one, you know, you work with computers, <laughs> you know, you're, you're a technical guy, but the number two, a big part of you is that you love, you know, your, your companies live for a living. You know, you being, you like being away from the computer. You love exercise. You love all these things. And some might say that those two are conflicting with each other, but it certainly doesn't seem that way talking to you. So do you consider them to be kind of complimentary? Like what's your thought on that? You know, I do consider them to be complimentary because, you know, as someone who's constantly trying to be better, Right. Mm-hmm. The Internet, the Internet, you know, I, I share, you know, my fitness modalities. I share things that I'm discovering. I share. I love technology from that perspective. I love to be inspirational and motivational for people because there's been people in my life that have completely turned my life around because of their, you know, that dude. Right. That dude in, in Nicaragua totally turned my life around. There have been people that I have gravitated towards for whatever reason that have made a shift in me and helped me be better. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping that I can do that same thing. So I believe technology gives me a very cool avenue for doing that. Um, and then also, you know, it allows me to structure my day however I want. I happen to be in a mode right now where I need to make a lot of money. I have a, a three-year-old. I have a expensive baby mama. and I have a beach house and I have a lifestyle where I like to eat good food and travel and do events. And anyway, I just, I spend a lot of money. So for me, you know, I have to work hard right now. I'll go Mm -hmm. through a period of time as when, you know, when baby Kai, my daughter, life of Kai, but when baby Kai gets a little older, I will, um, you know, I'll be able to go back to a little bit more of that digital nomad stuff, be able to travel with my laptop, sit in a hut in Thailand and do my work and maybe manage just three or four or five clients, you know. But, um, you know, right now I just happen to be in a state where I need to be working this way and I'm okay with it and I love it and I love the flexibility and I love to know that I'm in control of that. I could fire five clients tomorrow and have an easier life, but I'm not ready to do that. What advice would you give to a young person who sees what you're doing and, and likes it, who's, who's interested in, in doing kind of the same things that you're doing? Stay the course. Make a name for yourself. Don't be afraid to fail. Keep trying things constantly. Constantly try things. Be that guy that everybody says, oh, my God, there he goes again with another business idea, right? Because that's the only way that you're going to take off with something. You know, if you try 50 things, I promise one or two of those things are going to hit. If you try two things, well, let's just say you have, you're much less likely of succeeding at those things. The odds aren't in your favor. That's right. That's right. You know, put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to fail. Get back up and keep going. You know, people respect that. People admire that. People want to help people that are, dedicated and consistent and reliable and trustworthy and loyal. And, you know, I, I've always believed that. I believe that, you know, whether it's my friendships, my business relationships, you know, people value loyalty. You know, in 2018, I ran across the United States. It took me five and a half months. 
And mm-hmm. I reached out to all of my clients and I said, hey, man, I'm doing this come hell or high water. So this is my plan. I'm giving you an out right now. You can fire me right now. Move on. Deal with somebody else that will handle your Internet stuff because I'm not going to be as responsive. I'm going to work as much as I can in between my runs, but I'm not going to be as responsive as I have been. But this is important to me. Uh, it's an important cause for me. I want to do this. And every single one of my clients stayed with me and continued wow. to pay me throughout my run, um, my retainers throughout my run. And uh, when I came back, you know, I rewarded them for that, whether it was doing additional work and not raising my rates, um, just anything I could, because, you know, I really appreciated that. They made it so I could continue to support my family while I was running across the United States. What was your what was your starting end points? I started in Riverside Park, New York, um, which is along the right. East Bay and uh, ran into uh, right. That's the East Bay uh, and then ran across the bridge into New Jersey and. Off we went, and I finished. Uh, that was March nineteenth, two thousand eighteen. I finished in uh, Chrissy Field in San Francisco. We put on a five k for the public, um, and so I ran that five k with the public. And crossing the finish line was considered my finish, uh, and that was in August, August twenty third. So it took me five months. Nice. All right, James. You got anything else before the most important question? I, I think we're ready, John. This is John's favorite question. This is what we've been preparing for the whole time. All this other stuff was good, but I consider the most critical question to be Christian. What is your favorite pizza topping? So I don't have a favorite individual pizza topping because I like all the meats. All right. So, <laughs> sausage, pepperoni, ham, uh, whatever you got, hamburger, I don't care. Put anything <laughs> sausage. <laughs> like bacon, chipotle sausage, bacon. Yeah, as long as it's meated up, I'm good. Toss the meats on. <laughs> nice. But that's all the meats in there, boy. I think that's good. I see. That's. I think that's the first time we've gotten that answer. It, it definitely is. Yeah, most people do, do pick. Well, you. It sounds like you've turned your pizza into a protein delivery vehicle. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can eat like one slice. Because it's so much, so much stuff. I can just picture a slice just with things falling off of it because there's so much on there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%, dude. 100%. I, I, I love that answer. We're pizza people over here. And uh, we, we will remember that one. See, <laughs> that, that's a first. Um, all right, Christian. The last question that we typically like to ask is um, if anyone wants to follow you, you know, it, how, how could they find you, you know, websites, social media, is there anything like that that you want to plug? Yeah. I mean, I've got a lot of, of those individual properties. I would just say, um, you know, really right now, if I wanted to plug anything, it would be run to heal.org, which is R U N the number two H E A L.org. Um, and I know, Doing that in audio makes it impossible for people to find. But if they can go to your website, maybe click on yeah. it or something. But yep. we'll, we'll, we'll link to it. Yeah, and that that <clears throat> that's really tells a story <clears throat> of my run. <clears throat> Excuse me, tells a story of my run across the country. But you know, it it talks about um, sort of how all that came to be and and what my cause is and what I stand for. And I think that you know, it 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 ties all of the things that that, you know, we talked about here that I talk about in other podcasts when I talk about athletics or events, um, it kind of ta- ties all of that in, into one resource. 
Um, and 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 again, you know, it's it's important to me that that message be heard. I know I told you early on that I don't love always talking about it, but you know, when I finished my run across the country, I, I did thirty podcasts, right, about 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 my cause, and it just you know it it just started to wear on me, like emotionally. Um, but again, run to heal.org. Uh, I think it's a great story. It's one of my greatest accomplishments. And, um, yeah, you can just learn a little bit more about me. And if you ever want to reach out and ask any questions, I'm a 1000% open book. I, I can attest to that. Um, uh, very good. We'll put a link in the show notes. So anyone can just go ahead and click and be redirected right there. And with that, I think that's a show. What do you think, James? Yeah, you know, we appreciate you talking to us and about, you know, something different than you usually talk about, you know, this and that that's another thing we want to stress to our listeners is there's a lot more to Christian story. Um and, and we didn't even hit the the well known uh points of it. So uh go ahead and read up on that. And that's okay, man. Like I it's been a long time since I got to talk about technology and business and uh I really enjoyed that today. So thank you. Very we good. Yep. Thanks for joining us, Christian, and have a great rest of your week. You got it. You too. All right. Thank you.